This is Dimitri Milionis, and welcome to episode two of Inside the AEC Industry with EFCG Podcast. This episode will feature part two of EFCG's managing partner Julie Hasiba and Power Engineers Chief Financial Officer Chuck Kemp. The two will discuss Power's transition to remote working, the firm's utilization rate during the period, and the future impact on the AEC industry. EFCG analyst Vishal Menon will read the Keeping It Brief news segment, recapping the major news highlights of the industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. Let's rejoin Julie and Chuck in their recent conversation. Great to have you back with us, Chuck. Thanks again for being with us today. We left off discussing innovation and Power's move to become more data-focused, and it actually got me thinking about one metric in particular we discuss a lot with clients these days. Utilization. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little because I'm guessing this has been a difficult one for power given its abrupt shift from an in-office to now virtual workforce. What has that been like for you? Well, I'll tell you, um, our our company, this is, uh, I really appreciate you bringing this up because we, you know, as a company, we all of a sudden saw this spike in utilization. And our first inclination was, oh, goodness, you know, really four to five points higher working from home? Are we that mm-hmm. efficient? And, and will our clients pay cover this for us uh, ultimately? Well, uh, and so, you know, when we got into this, we very quickly saw, I mean, literally the first week we worked from home, we went up five points in our utilization. Wow. Well, then you ask yourself, well, is, that, is this a new normal or mm-hmm. is there something wrong? And, um, you know, it's always funny when you have a really good financial result, you, you ask, you know, the, you know, I'm probably the biggest pessimist, right? Being the CFO, I'm like, oh, can, is it really that good? I mean, or is there something wrong? Did we miss something? And, uh, you know, we kept asking ourselves, this as this developed, right? And for our firm, and I, it, it, I've heard this happen a lot in the A&E industry, in the professional service industry, that they've seen an increase in utilization. But what you have to ask yourself is, are, is your customers going to be willing to pay for that increase in utilization? Fair point. It's kind of funny. We ended up, we, we, we immediately pivoted to changing our charge number structure a little bit. To, and, and this just cracks me up. Um, we asked employees to determine whether they were being productive or not at home. Uh, and then yes. charge it accordingly. <laughs> well, that's kind of funny. You know, okay, you know, who's going to say to you, oh, I'm not really productive right now. Um, but we really wanted to know because we wanted to at least bucket for our clients and not charge them for time, but still our utilization went up and that goes to the roots and fiber of our culture where we really try to be candid and we don't want a problem down the road with our clients. We'd rather head that off at the pass. Um, and, but still our utilization went up and, uh, you know, then it's like, okay, let's see when the shoe's going to drop here, when the bills come in, when we get the invoices out, you know, will we really collect? And it's interesting, and, and Paul and your team knows this, if you look at our statistics, we are upper right quadrant in uh, profitability and growth, but we are not so favorable in DSO and in AR. It's an area we need to focus on and work on as a company. Well, you know, we've seen a, a, a little bit of an improvement, not a great improvement in DSO, but we're actually getting our bills out quicker at home. That's got to feel good. Why do you think that is? 
that's a tribute to working from home and collaboration and how we kind of approach that. I think for the team and our PMs and our project accountants, just being focused. And, and it goes back to that huddling up and that desire of the human spirit to do a good job. I mean, this pivot to home was scary, frankly, mm-hmm. for everybody. So how do we, you know, how do we, how are we, how can we be as good as we were in the office? And the remarkable thing is we've actually seen better productivity. And, you know, I, I mean, a year from now, will that be there? I don't know. I hope. But, you know, I mean, I think once you get the novelty wears off, I mean, there might be some uh, some behavior there. But I think that's up to leadership to continue the, you know, the fire burning type of thing. Um, so we, we started to see quicker turns on our AR, at least getting the invoices out. And then lo and behold, our clients have been paying the bills uh, in a nice way. And, and now we're in the energy infrastructure business. So that's a little different. I do realize other industries uh, have more challenges. I mean, my thoughts are with like the transportation industry where you've had a, just a drop to 25% on airlines. I mean, I, I just, I listen to my, my colleagues and the CFOs of, of, of airline and travel companies, and I just feel for them because that's a massive decline. And that's a different deal than what we're dealing with. So I, I do have a lot of compassion for that. Um, you know, I think you, when you've been in industry for 35 years, I've had I've seen my downturns in business, and it it, it you really have to n- not judge success at any one point in time. You really need to have compassion for people because it it, it, ha- it, it there's cycles here. Very good point, and actually supported by EOCG industry data that shows this industry is generally resilient through downturns. Knowing these cycles exist, though. How do you normalize for them, in a sense? When we went to these real-time dashboards, naturally, for a professional services firm, utilization, front and center KPI, right? Uh, and we all of a sudden started showing it in a way that was very analytical to trends and triangulating it with other parts of the business. Uh, you know, what, what is our normal uh, utilization? What does it mean as a dollar amount to our bottom line? Um, and... Uh, you know, we really started to understand if it, if things were normalized, what it would mean. You know, if 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 things were not, you know, if we didn't have COVID, you know, uh, a funny comment. Uh, you know, we're looking at our travel, and you know, the costs that go into the business have now you know been curtailed, like travel, conferences, training, uh, things that we know that'll come back. Um, mm-hmm. Will it totally come back? Will travel totally come back? I know Brett made a joke one day, and it was a joke because we know how important marketing is in our business. But we here our revenues were growing, like asked, I mean, up twenty percent above plan, and we we don't we don't really usually get to our plan on revenue. And here we're twenty percent above in COVID during COVID. And he goes, "Why the heck do we ever travel for marketing?" <laughs> and you know, of course, the hemming and hind from the marketing team, and uh, you know, it's a it, it's kind of he was joking because right. you, you, that isn't sustainable. But, um, you know, we had a lot of costs come out of the business, too. But that, that's part of uh, the challenge as well, because that's not normal. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just a, a result of what's going on. And uh, so here you've got revenues increasing from utilization. you got the cash coming in from the clients, and you got a bunch of costs coming out of the business. Uh, heck, you know, our financials look fantastic. Um, but, you know, do you believe them? Fair question. How do you? 
yeah, utilization, uh, you know, these were things that we really, the dashboards helped us a lot with because we started to go to a higher frequency. But that's not without challenge. I mean, we close our books on a monthly basis. So you need to pay attention to those undulations and understand why utilization may, I mean, utilization is pretty steady. But when you look at things like book to earn or, uh, you know, in a, on a weekly basis, that's a very different metric on a weekly basis than it is on a month or quarter or year. Mm-hmm. And so you really, as a leadership team, need to kind of take it with a grain of salt. Ugh, that is such a difficult thing to gauge. But you're right to be interpreting the data with other critical factors in mind. Okay, Chuck, <laughs> I'm going to have you indulge me for a moment here because I want to go back to something that you had brought up before that is near and dear to my heart, people. You and I are both very passionate about this, so I always enjoy nerding out with you on this topic. Earlier, you mentioned how important it is to support the individual employee during this pandemic. Now, knowing your team as well as we do, I can personally attest to the fact that focusing on the employee is core to power. Can you share more about that part of power and how it's influencing current team decisions? When we had that first meeting back, when COVID, you know, materialized and we as a leadership team got together for that first meeting, I was very touched by our leadership team. And I think this is what, I don't know that it makes power so unique, but it's certainly something near and dear to why I moved from Southern California to Idaho. It was something I sensed, um, you know, I was actually part of a team trying to acquire power. And I got to understand the fiber of the firm a bit before even making a big change like that. And one of the big things was the focus on the people mm. and uh, its, its commitment to its employees. And that really shined in that first meeting of the leadership team because the, universally, everybody, and I, it's not just power. I think there's almost every firm have this you know, uh, obligation to their people, whether you're public or private. You know, it did, you know, people matter. They're, they're the core to your business and they're the number one thing that you have. They're, you know, especially in a professional services firm. Uh, and the leadership team was the first thing we need to do is make sure we provide for our people and we protect their salaries and their benefits. And so we don't get into a reduction in force situation. Ah, that is music to my ears, Chuck. But that's not easy to manage, especially now. What kind of tough decisions are you having to face around that? Um, here we're doing really well financially. And we decided as a leadership team that we needed to delay increases to salaries. Well, that's a tough message. You know, for the rank and file employee, wait a minute, we're doing really well. Now, you know, they look out on the streets and they look at the world and what's going on. And, and, and I think there's some empathy that the leadership team is just being cautious. But at the same token, you know, salary increases mean a whole lot to especially the engineers. Uh, but to, to just the rank and file employee, we're doing really well and you're not going to give me an increase. Well, we felt that we needed to be cautious in these difficult, challenging times of uncertainty. So uh, now that's one example of not spending the money. And I would say that I was one of the people that was supportive of delaying that increase because we can always go do that. That's a really tough position to be in. And you're certainly not alone there because so many firms are facing similar cost-cutting decisions 
with, of course, the ultimate goal of being able to keep their people. And adding to all of that is this new reality that more employees are working from home for the first time. What's an example of something power is trying to do to help employees make this kind of adjustment? You know, I, I'm fortunate as a CFO that I'm actually maybe probably not the most conservative guy on the leadership team. And that, many times the CFO is the backdrop and the most conservative person for fiscally, for sure. And it's not that I don't want to live by budgets or be uh, smart about it, but there's also a matter of practicality. And uh, we're actually in a meeting talking, maybe our second or third leadership meeting, and we're talking about how do we handle getting people uh, at home set up in a way that's productive and they're comfortable. And heck, everybody has a different situation. You know, I've got a beautiful home office here, uh, you know, in my home. And I don't, I know my, my children are in their 20s. Uh, my situation is, is unique. I've got a nice setup. But, you, you know, think of the, the, the mother, the, the, the husband and wife that have the three children, you know, two, four, and six, and now you're going to work at home. Or the person that's single, and there's not another soul in their place. I mean, there's all kinds of different scenarios. But at the end of the day, everyone needs something different to get themselves working at home. And uh, so I remember being in a meeting and, and we're having this discussion and each leader of our divisions is talking about what they think we ought to do at home. And they're, they're, they're being fiscally responsible. They're like, well, you know, gosh, do we just get them a setup at home? And finally, after hearing several people, Brett, our CEO pivots to me and says, Chuck, what do you think? And <laughs> it's not very often I say this as a CFO, <laughs> but I just blurt out, spend the money. <laughs> I'm suddenly envisioning you visor hat on with cash in hand. <laughs> if we bought everybody two monitors, it won't come to over a hundred K spend the money, get them comfortable at home. And you know, that's how I think Brett was feeling too, because very quickly the team, you know, we pivoted that way. Right. And, and it's funny being the CFO and then saying, spend the money. It's not exactly my nature. But at the same token, there's times when it's very appropriate. So we decided to outfit people if they needed a chair, if they need, you know, and, and let's use judgment and, and let's pass that message down to our managers and let's manage. And, you know, every just like raising children, each child needs something different. Every employee needed something different. Now, you know, we're not going to buy them some extravagant setup that's not needed, but let's use good judgment. Mm -hmm. um, and so we and, and we had a pretty broad you know, view to it. Um, and we left it in the hands of, of the managers who, you know, we need people to be comfortable at home. It's going to, you know, and, and we decided it wasn't the first couple of weeks. It was about the third week that we decided this is going to be here for a while. And uh, with the news these days, heck, we're seeing a whipsaw back to more cases. And I think we're going to be into it even longer. And uh, so, you know, I, I would say, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I think that was a good decision, but we had to make a commitment. And uh, that, that commitment to our people, you know, that added to, okay, they're not giving us increases, but they're, they're really pivoting to take care of us at home. You know, we don't want people to have to take their work chair and their monitors and put them in their trunk when they go back to the office and then do the same thing when we have to go back home. And do you see these type of adjustments to be temporary? Uh, it's probably part of the new normal, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm not sure what that really looks like but I'm pretty sure it's going to be different.
and uh, uh, you know the the range of how many people are going to work. I mean, remember the quote I gave of like one percent of our company working from home. The future probably at a minimum it's forty percent at any given time. Uh, I'm hearing numbers as high as seventy percent in you know in a steady state. I mean, uh, that's a big that's a big change. You know, forty x change uh, uh, even on the minimal side. So. You know, I'm glad we, we as a leadership team looked at it that way. I think it led to the utilization and the productivity of people. It also reinforced our culture around people. And it, it uh, you know, it, it, it provided the insight to our employee base of what we're going through and, and the, the compassion, I think, that we really needed to have. And we'll continue to do that uh, as we evaluate. You know, we we meet we meet really frequently, twice a week, three times a week at times for our leadership team, and uh, uh, you know that's important uh, in these times. Well, and I'm going to ask a question that no one has the answer to, but with power continuously thinking about how COVID is really impacting this industry and, in particular, power. What do you think the future of this industry looks like post COVID-19? Well, that is a, a difficult question. Um, I think that it, all, it really has a lot to do with where you play in the A&E industry. Uh, what lane, uh, you know, we're an energy infrastructure uh, business predominantly. Uh, I think that we see speed bumps, uh, we see challenges, we, we, we are concerned. We tend to lag the general economy by six months to two years. Uh, when, you know, the financial crisis, there was a lag to that. Uh, you know, it, it just seems that infrastructure and in, in energy lags uh, with the utilities and trying to figure out the capital spend. Uh, with that said, I think that, uh, and I alluded to this earlier, that there are certain industries like transportation that have been hit really hard. Um, I do think there's a very positive outlook, and I think no matter where you're at in the A&E industry, you ought to have your head up high. And I, and I think the spirit ought to be to try to weather through these difficult times. And it's easy for me to sit here and say this when I'm in an industry that's, you know, we're doing better than plan. But, uh, you know, I even think in transportation, they're going to figure it out. Yeah, there's going to be some tough decisions and, and downturns and, and reductions there. There just is. The numbers just suggest that. But when you look at what Congress and the, 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 it, whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, and it doesn't matter, the spend in the next five years in infrastructure in our country is $1.5 trillion. That's a huge amount of money. And it just shows the commitment to infrastructure, whether, you know, you're in aviation or, or water or, um, you know, in the case, we're in energy. And, and we see uh, $700 million in, in, in annual spend in electricity. Uh, you know, so there's going to be speed bumps. But, you know, there's a reason why Paul Zofnis got into this 25 years ago or even more, uh, because this industry is much needed and it is always going to be a mainstay. I appreciate that messaging because I could not agree with you more. We're a strong industry, so thank you for reminding us of that. I'm curious what industry shifts you think we might see in the next few years. I, I do think digital transformation is a huge thing. I mean, this pivot to dashboards and where innovation is. I would recommend that A&E firms really try to partner with the technology side of, of the industry 
uh, you know, this digital transformation is going to be an area that, you know, it, it increased tremendously out of the financial crisis. It's increasing even more now, um, uh, you know, with all this at-home delivery. I mean, I know in my household, I have Amazon showing up every day. Um, it's my wife and, uh, you know, but we're not buying things in stores as much. And uh, that's a whole digital pivot. Uh, and I think our industry needs to do more and more of that. Um, and that's true in any lane you're in. So ultimately, you really do see great opportunity for this industry. So I think there's a lot to be proud of and to keep our head up high, but it's not going to be without speed bumps and setbacks and a cautious approach. Uh, and in normalizing your world and looking at the world normal and it kind of understanding it, what it normally might have been. I and mean, we have great financials, but what would it have been normally? And then understand, making decisions on that normal view is going to be important. And that's what I'd recommend to folks is try to understand what it would have normally been so you can make some good sound decisions because you got to make decisions. You're going to have to take care of your people. You're going to have to compensate them. Um, but you also have to care about your cash. And uh, so, but I, I do think that the A&E industry in, as a whole is going to uh, be very vibrant into the future just because of the infrastructure uh, budgets. And, it, it, you know, it, we're seeing that in what's going on in Congress and what they're, uh, what's being proposed. So. Do you have any parting words of advice that you want to share with those listening at this point? Well, I, I just think that, uh, you know, I, I, I've been known to like to have conversation, uh, you know, uh, and I think that this is a time when we all need to be uh, talking about issues. Uh, there, there's a lot of things in society that we're having to uh, weigh and understand and converse. And I, I guess my advice is to, it's time to be really close with each other about um, where the world's heading. Um, I think um, our next election is going to be a very pivotal election uh, for the American public. And um, I think that in the industry we're in, we have a lot to be proud of. And we got all got into this with good intentions. And those intentions are still there. Uh, let's not be swayed by uh, these, these cycles we're going through. Um, let's keep our heads high and, and keep progressing forward. We all have bad days, uh, and especially with, uh, you know, the mental side of this. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's, it's just to be candid. Some of these things are hard. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're kind of in an uncharted territory. Uh, and, and there will be a new normal. But it doesn't mean that new normal won't be as fun and as productive and as profitable as it was in the past. We're just going to have some speed bumps. And um, the most important thing is keep the eye on the ball and uh, uh, not be swayed by all this. So, uh, you know, I think we, we do need to rally as an American public together. Um, this is a critical time in our history. And uh, let's do that. Let's have the conversation. And uh, that's, that's kind of how I view it. Love those final words, Chuck. And as always, it's such a pleasure diving into these topics with you. So thank you for being part of the discussion and encouraging that sense of comfort to talk about things like this, because you're right. We do need to be having these conversations and keep the dialogue open. But to not keep you all day, I will stop us for now. We're wishing you and your family and, of course, the Power family all the best in the coming months ahead. 
Well, the same to you, Julie, and, and, and thank you. And any way I can help, I, I really enjoy uh, my time with EFCG and, and, uh, and my colleagues in the industry. So thank you. Thank you. Certainly some valuable takes and insights from Chuck. Thank you again to Chuck Kemp and Power for joining us and taking the time to answer some questions. Be sure to join our Executive Leadership Conference where you'll hear more from Power Engineer CEO Brett Moffat and CAO Jim Haynes on steps they've taken to create a productive partnership across their executive team and what that partnership looks like in 2020. You can learn more by visiting our EFCG website or messaging us on LinkedIn. Now for our Keeping It Brief news segment, Vishal, take it away. Thank you, Dimitri. Hello and welcome to Keeping It Brief, your source for news across the AEC industry. This week in Community Impact, as part of the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission's Social Impact Partnership, Corolo Engineers has awarded scholarships to two incoming college students. The students originally moved to the U.S. from Guatemala and Peru and will each receive $12,000 over four years to help fund their college tuition. We believe in the power of education for our young people and understand the important role the Mason scholarships serve to create educational equity, says Emilio Cruz, Senior Vice President at Corolla. In observance of International Day of the World's Indigenous People on August 9th, Hatch sent health and safety supplies to healthcare facilities residing on the Navajo Nation and the Colorado River Indian tribes to aid in their fight against COVID-19. The shipments included N95 and surgical masks, face shields, gloves, and hand sanitizer. Through the company's work on energy and infrastructure-related projects with these groups, Hatch has seen firsthand just how significantly the communities need these health and safety resources. This week in industry news, according to Dodge Data and Analytics, total construction starts in the U.S. dropped 7% from June to July, largely pulled down by a 31% decline in the non-building sector. Richard Branch, chief economist for Dodge, said the numbers were not all bad news, as it may just indicate a settling back, considering many projects broke ground earlier than expected in March and April to take advantage of fewer cars on the road at the beginning of the COVID-19 shutdown. The Three Gorges Dam, the largest hydropower project built, reached its highest water levels ever as torrential rain has hit southern China the last few months. The flow rate of water into the dam reached 75,000 cubic meters per second last Thursday, breaking the 2012 record of 71,200 cubic meters per second. President Erdogan has announced Turkey has found 320 billion cubic meters of natural gas in the biggest ever discovery in the Black Sea. He hopes to begin production by 2023. At current price levels, this volume is worth approximately $80 billion. This week in M&A activity, Pace Analytical, a Minnesota-based laboratory network providing environmental and life sciences analytical services, has acquired Emerson Resources, 
a Pennsylvania-based pharmaceutical contract development and manufacturing organization specializing in dosage form development and clinical trial material manufacturing. Kleinfelder, a California-based multidisciplinary engineering and construction management firm, has acquired substantially all of the assets of Garcia & Associates, a California-based environmental planning and permitting firm. That's all for this week. Thank you for joining me for Keeping It Brief. Dimitri, back to you. Thanks, Vishal. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Inside the AEC Industry Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this session and will be on the lookout for our next episode. Additional information on EFCG is available on our website, www.efcg.com. While there, make sure to get the latest details on our upcoming virtual executive leadership conference, advisory services, and M&A practice. If you have any comments or would like to participate in future episodes, visit the podcast page on our website and leave us a note. Until next time, this is Dimitri Milionis. Stay well and healthy.